Welcome to Sea Limits. I'm Kevin. Yeah, I'm And happy St. Patrick's Day weekend. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you too, Kevin. Yep. I saw you had a you had a Guinness. I did. I just finished it. <laughs> was it good? Was it good? <laughs> uh, not as good as you know, off the tap or in Ireland, that's for sure. But it hit the spot. You were um, festive. You're being festive. Also, have the Irish flag out front. Yes, we do. Yeah, bought mm-hmm. some soda bread. Mm-hmm. How about that dinner? Did you get that dinner? Did not get the dinner. Maybe I'm we... a little disappointed in that part. Well, did you not cook it? <laughs> I don't. I know. You think growing up with all the all the times I've had it, I would know how to do it. It's not. I don't think it's that difficult, but I'll work on that for next year. Kim. Just boil the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise. I'll, I'll, I'll learn. Well, I thought these decor is on beef, so... No, I, I love it. <laughs> it's delicious. So, Ian, I think the big story we have to get to this week mm-hmm. is the teacher's contract... And how they've been 190 days without a contract, which expired in, on August 31st. That's correct. Right. Yep. And they've been in con- they've been in, in contract negotiations for quite some time, but um, just recently, the um, Quincy School Committee sent out an email. Right. We, well, we really couldn't talk about it because we didn't know the details. But on March 3rd, the Quincy School Committee sent out an email blast to. All the parents. Yep. So it's a little less than 10,000 parents or 10,000 students. The parents of those 10,000 students would have got that email blast. Right. So I'll just read this beginning. beginning. Um, As you may know, the Quincy School Committee has been engaged in active contract negotiations with our educators represented by the Quincy Education Association, QEA, and the Massachusetts Teacher Association. We continue to negotiate responsibly and in good faith, but believe we have reached the point after 16 negotiating sessions where the assistance of an independent third-party mediator will prove valuable to the process. Today, we are formally asking the Commonwealth of Massachusetts under the Department of Labor Relations to assign that independent mediator to assist both the school committee and the QEA in negotiations. We believe that a fresh set of eyes will help both parties find that path to an agreement, and we are grateful the QEA has agreed with our request to invite an independent mediator to the negotiating table. And this was sent out right after... They had negotiations. It was March 3rd, and they had scheduled negotiations, and I think it broke at 7, and the email was out by like 7.15, and parents were receiving it, and social media was starting to kind of blow up about it. Right. Yeah. So the other thing is that when we say the Quincy the Quincy School Committee, it's the it's the mayor who's the head of the Quincy School Committee. I just want to make sure that when we say that we're saying it's going out for the Quincy Public Schools from the Quincy School Committee, and the chair of that is the mayor. Right. So he has the final say. Mm-hmm. All right. So I just want to get into a couple of these proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a, a lot of letters. We got let's say eight letters. We're going to read a few today and probably a few next time. Mm-hmm. So let's start with this. The, this is from the message from the Quincy School Committee. The mm-hmm. proposal includes a 9% raise on base pay over three years. So that's 3%, 3%, 3%. Correct. An increased educational incentive of 500 for educators with a master's degree plus 45 additional credits. 
and a top-scale educator salary of 108000 in the third year of the contract. And I wanted to just pay a little attention to that bullet point because that makes it sound like if I'm a teacher and I work three years, I'm getting 108 grand. Yeah, so it's, as you remember with the audience, it's going, to, it's going to all the parents. And when you're reading it quickly, what you're seeing and what you're remembering from that letter is after three years, you're going to be making $108,000. And that's not true. Right. So there's steps and levels in an educator's career. And I think there's 11 total levels that you're going to be able to get to. But depending on your education, if you have a bachelor's, if you have a master's, if you have a master's plus, if you have a PhD, you'll get to different different you get you no know, awarded salary for having those different levels of education but at the top level is level 11 and there'll be people who will be making $108,000 at the end of 3 years but it will not be 900 teachers it won't it be the majority it will not be the majority it will be a much, a much smaller population okay an increase in annual longevity payments so i thought we'd try to break this down as best we could maybe with some comparisons for QPS and QEA and the other communities. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> After 15 years increasing from $400 to $700 in longevity pay. So from the QEA, after 15 years, was asking for an increase to $800. Okay, so $100 difference. $100 difference, yep. And then in the, in the city of Brockton, after 15 years, they get $2,100. Okay. And then in the town of Milton, right next door, they get an increase of $1,650. Okay. So substantially more than Quincy will be getting. Right. After yep. 20 years, mm -hmm. increasing from 500 to 800. Yep. So the QEA was looking after 20 years um, of service that they would get a $1,200 increase. So that's $400 more. And then in, again, looking at Brockton, in Brockton, after 20 years, they get $5,050. And in Milton, after 20 years, they get $1,900. Okay. And then after 25 years, mm -hmm. increasing from $600 to $900, that's from the Quincy School Committee mm -hmm. proposal. Yep. And then from the, um, the, the Quincy Education Association, they were looking after 25 years to go to $1,500. And then, again, doing the comparisons to other towns, after 25 years in Brockton, they go to $5,850. And after 25 years in Milton, they will go to $2,000. Okay. So and still substantially less than, right. our, than our neighboring town or the city of Brockton, which is comparisonly the same size as Quincy. Um, but yet there's a difference in that, too, as well. So in longevity pages, for people to understand what that is, is that's an incentive after you've been, after you've after you've maximized out your steps and levels, you no longer get any incentives to be there after 11 years. So this is after after 15 years, you'd get an increase after 25 years, after 20 years and after 25 years. It's an incentive to be able to, to honor the fact that you've been with the system for that long and to give you a little incentive for a salary increase. All right. So that's longevity. And I just want to take a step back. Quincy School Committee sent out this email blast to every parent. QEA doesn't have that ability um, they don't have all those emails, probably. And nor should they. They, they, they. The Quincy Public Schools should have it because that's those are the kids that come to our schools, but it should be communicated with the right information. Yeah, and more notifications. Q it shouldn't be like, this is our side. Yeah, this is our side. And the other thing is, is the QEA doesn't have access to that. And it's so it's a, it's a little it's a little underhanded when you're only showing your one side of the coin. And there's right. two sides of the coin in the negotiations. So they had to turn to other methods, yeah. um, of so course. Yes, yeah, so the QEA... Um, 
So I think it was March 3rd that the city of Quincy um, came. They, they decided they were going to go into mediation and they sent out that email at 7.15 that night. And then the QEA kind of responded on um, social media with a letter of their own. And then they also had a Zoom meeting and then they had an in-person invite to the library. Yeah, we both went to the Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had over 250 people online at one at their highest point, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you went to the library. I went to the library, and I know um, Councilor Andronico was there, and Councilor Devine was there, and I think a rep from Presented Brucius was there as well. Okay. So the other other sticking point, I guess, is parental leave, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the QEA has been having standouts trying to get their message out. Yeah, several and, times several times a week, I think the QAs have the standouts. Yep, and some of them are in front of City Hall. Mm-hmm. And the next, like I said, it's parental leave. So I wanted to play this audio clip from Kim Cressinger at Central Middle School, and then we'll go into parental leave. Sure. Today, I wanted to share my personal experience with what Quincy Public Schools considers parental leave. When I was hired by QPS, I remember being told at orientation to save my sick days carefully. I was a lady, and I would need them for when I had a baby someday. So in true teacher fashion, I did what I was told and saved my sick days. And when it came time to have my daughter, I had 80 sick days accrued. However, when I met with the city to discuss my maternity leave, I was confused and surprised to be told I would be allowed to be paid for the first six weeks postpartum, which with holidays, half days, etc., would be 25 sick days. After that, I could choose to take another six weeks, but I would need a doctor's note, and those would be unpaid, even though I had 80 sick days. 80. And they went on during those six weeks I was going on pay. I would also have to cut the city a check for my portion of the insurance premium since I'm a subscriber in my family. Any time longer than that was again with a doctor's note, zero pay, and I would have to pay the full insurance premium. Finally, because my city forced me to go unpaid, every paycheck for the remainder of the school year would be reduced to reflect the fact that I did not work my contractual 180 days. Even though I spent the ninth month of my pregnancy preparing detailed lesson plans for every day of my leave so that my students' learning would be seamless. So I was then left with a choice. Take the 12 weeks off that FMLA and doctors recommend, which meant my family, which now includes a newborn baby who needs diapers, formula, would have to take a financial hit. I would make zero dollars for six weeks, in addition to paying the city over $600 in insurance premiums. My alternative was returning to work after six weeks, before my doctor would even see me for a postpartum checkup. A checkup to make sure I was healing properly from birth, from when I birthed a literal human. <laughs> if I need to, <laughs> I birthed a human. <laughs> if I need to provide a doctor's note for weeks seven through 12, why are those not covered by sick days? I just don't understand. Thankfully, my husband and I were able to survive the financial hardship caused by the medically necessary necessary 12-week recovery period. Many teachers in this district are not so lucky. I cannot fathom how in this day and age, with the focus on mental health, with postpartum depression on the rise, QPS can force teachers back into the classroom when their stitches have barely healed. They are asking us to choose between financial stability and our physical and mental health. It's appalling. I'll end with this. Mayor Koch has been quoted saying multiple times that he would not support awarding teachers anything less than any other union. 
So, Mayor Cope, why have we been offered the ability to use six weeks of accrued time to heal from childbirth when other unions can use 12, regardless of being the birthing parent? Why have we been denied the option to donate to a sick bank for our members who need to take extended leave, but other unions currently have that option? If you truly want to not offer less, Mayor Cope, you may need to take some time to look at all the offers. All right, so in that clip, Kim gets to parental leave mm-hmm. and she basically saying that the banking sick days is a bank sick days. So, so from the time you start working in the Quincy public schools, they tell you on orientation, you're a lady and you need to save your sick time because you'll need them in the future. Right. But currently, mm-hmm. just so everybody at home knows, Quincy currently offers zero weeks paid leave. Exactly. Zero weeks from sick leave for non-birthing parents in their, in their contract. Yep. We're not in their contract. In their message from the Quincy School Committee, mm-hmm. they just have a bullet point here. It says an increase in allowed sick time accruals for parental leave, and then a new allowance for sick time accruals to be used for parental leave for non-birthing and adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. Up to 50. So so what do we have is the Quincy, the Quincy Public Schools proposal, which is um, the Quincy School Committee's proposal saying that non-birthing parents, including adopting parents, may now use accrued sick leave. Again, their sick leave, they have to save it up for 15 days, that's up to 15 days. And that a birthing parent will be allowed to take eight weeks as opposed to six weeks. Um, if they were to, if you wanted to have a baby now, so you'd have to accrue, this would be accrued sick time again, eight weeks or 10 weeks if you had a C-section. So if you only accrued six weeks and you had a C-section, you wouldn't be getting any time off. Right, and just for comparison's sake, mm-hmm. so they're asking for two weeks paid parental leave. That's the QEA. So the QEA yeah, for all non-probationary educators, as mm-hmm. well as the ability for all parents to use their accrued sick leave to take time off. So in other communities, Canton, for instance, mm-hmm. four weeks paid leave plus eight weeks from their accrued sick time. Mm-hmm. Watertown, four weeks paid leave and eight weeks from accrued sick time. Malden, six weeks paid leave and six weeks from accrued sick time. Cambridge, eight weeks paid leave and four weeks from accrued sick time. So Quincy will give you, will let you, if you accrued, they will let you take 60 days of unpaid, just unpaid. Right, unpaid. So just basically you can take six weeks, you can take the, you can take the 12 weeks off for unpaid and unpaid. But six weeks, if you've accrued, only if you've accrued six weeks, can you take, of, of sick time, can you take it as paid? That's that's how you get paid. Quincy Public Schools is by your sick leave. Okay. And they're looking for two weeks. It's really not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, a, um, it's a crazy ask. It's two weeks of paid leave to go home and bond with your child and give birth to a child. Yeah. And we'll play a little bit from Michael Ellis, uh, the VP of the union in a minute. But I would just think that puts the city at a major disadvantage when trying to attract. Absolutely. New hires. Candidates, yeah. So when you think of it, people are people are leaving education. It's a very hard thing to, to bring people into to, to educate people right now. It's a hard market. And you want to bring you know young people in. And they're going to look at that before they go and they take that, that job. It may turn somebody away that's a very capable person that you want here in the city of Quincy. They may not come here. Right. Even our own Quincy residents may not want to teach here because they can go right over to Milton and get something better. Yep. And he, I mean, in the private sector, I know it's different, but... Why would I want to be a teacher if, if I can get all these other benefits somewhere else? You know. Yeah, it's it's just a real shame because it's a it, the, if COVID taught us anything, we cannot encourage people to be homesick. I mean, we can't encourage them to come to work sick. We have to encourage them to, if you're sick to stay home mm-hmm. because you know what we don't want to do is have people coming into work that are sick because it just impacts the whole the whole system. 
So we have come a different, it's a whole different direction of the way we look at things nowadays. And we have to change the way we're actually looking at those contracts too. And I think she also said, take a look at how the other contracts work too. I have to tell you, if I was a Quincy school teacher and somebody else in the city was in another union and got 12 weeks on, I got six weeks and I had to give birth, I'd be mad at my husband. Uh, right. I'd be mad at you, Kath, <laughs> if you were that guy. But yeah, it's, it's not fair. Right. She does make the point that... Um the mayor, of course, on multiple occasions mm -hmm. has been saying the Quincy teachers would get no less than any other union, right? Mm -hmm. But she's pointing out that that's not true because these other unions get these things. Yeah. So you have to magnify that because he's 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 really just talking about money, but they're looking at the benefits. And benefits count, too, because that's what the contract is. It's about a contract. It's about fair and equitable. It's about equity. Yeah. yeah so we're not even talking about paid sick leave fraternity. We're talking – they've been offered – the ability to use six weeks mm -hmm. of accrued sick time to heal from childbirth, and other other unions can use twelve, right? Regardless of being the birthing parent, mm -hmm. and other unions they have the option to donate to a sick bank for other members who need extended leave. Yeah, and I was talking to a member of the school committee, and they explained to me that that's also in subcommittee. But subcommittee is non-binding. It's a, it's there's there's no way to actually make that happen. They could do a memorandum of understanding, but the reality of it is, this is a contract that's been negotiated for the last 190 days, and parental leave has been on the table. A sick leave bank is already available in other unions that could have been brought up from the administration side. There's ways to solve this contract. Right. So I want to play this audio clip from from Michael Ellis, and basically he's, he's making the point that it's 2023. COVID changed everything. Mm -hmm. And you're still trying to argue the point from years ago. I've had some cause over these last days and weeks to reflect a little bit about those years of bargaining experience. Had to see if I could put my finger on why this time has been so difficult. Uh, I asked myself, you know, what's different about this school committee team uh, that we have been bargaining with? Uh, and after some substantial consideration, uh, the answer I've come up with is this, nothing. Uh, the school committee team is no different from any school committee team that I have bargained with or against uh, in my tenure as the vice president. And that is a huge problem. Uh, this bargaining was supposed to happen in 2020. That was when our contract initially expired. It was March of 2020, and we were about to make our initial outreach to the districts to establish face-to-face -face bargaining sessions. Then a little thing happened around then. Maybe you heard of it. <laughs> uh, and on March 13th, COVID-19 shut down the world, uh, and it shut down our bargaining. Uh, and thinking about what has transpired now, three years later at the bargaining table, this is what I've been forced to conclude or consider. It seems to me, looking at their proposals, uh, looking at their response to our proposals, that this school committee bargaining team is trapped in the past. Uh, that they are trying to bargain that contract, the 2020 pre-COVID pandemic contract that does not now and will never exist. We are trying to bargain a post-pandemic 2023 contract and that exists and meets the needs of the world that you live in and we all work in. 
You don't see it the way that they do. And that is problematic. Uh, if they understood that this wasn't 2020, if they understood what had happened over the last three years, would they have put forward a bargaining proposal and that threatens to radically reduce your ability to access sick leave? I don't think so. <laughs> if they were paying attention to the fact that it is 2023 and that for the past three years, uh, kids have accumulated traumas, anxieties, and mental health problems, the scope and scale of which are unprecedented. Would they have balked even for a minute at our proposals that suggested that the student support personnel of this school system need to have a sufficient number of colleagues in a sufficient amount of time to see to the needs of those kids? Never had a million years. Nope. <laughs> they would not. Uh, and <laughs> if they understood that it was 2023 and that for the past year we have all been coached over and over and over again uh, that the most important thing for us to do to re-engage our students in learning and to make them feel like they are important and valued members of a classroom community is to first bond with them as human beings before we assert ourselves as authority figures, then would they for a fraction of a second have stopped a proposal that would grant you two lousy weeks to bond with your new child? The needs of this profession have changed greatly in a very short period of time. <laughs> the demands that this job places on all of you have changed accordingly. And the supports that we need to meet those challenges are entirely different in 2023 than they would have been in 2020. <laughs> this unit, this union is dedicated to bargaining a fair and a modern contract that meets our needs today. Okay, so there he's laying out the QEA's major issue with the contract and the way the negotiations are going and that the, the school committee is looking at this contract in pre-COVID times mm -hmm. and not respecting that the world has changed for everyone. Tremendously. Yeah. Especially, especially, especially a teacher. Teachers. And, and first responders, all those people who had to be there through the whole thing, they saw it firsthand. They're seeing the trauma that's happening in those in the schools from the kids suffering from the effects of COVID. And essentially, they have to change with the time, and the contract has to change with the times. Mm -hmm. So, and I know they also talk about increased prep time, right, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. teachers and guidance counselors and, and nurses because they don't have that in their contracts now. So basically, they have to. Nurses are being expected to do ten times more because of COVID, and and guidance counselors don't have prep time, so they're skipping their lunches. They don't have lunches, so they're just working through the lunches. So quite honestly, there's there's no not enough time in the day for these people to get their work done. And they just, to be able to have the quality of the system that we want to have, you have to give them the ability to do their job. And kids were affected by COVID. So, mm -hmm. so they're a little, so maybe not, a little behind. 
mind and maybe their emotional trauma, things like that that the teachers have to deal with now. And they're not just dealing with it in their school or their classrooms. Their kids, the teachers that have kids that have children at home, or else their children were also impacted too. So they have to take sometimes a sick day. <laughs> so you can't bank those sick days to have a baby if your baby's having a problem. So the, there's the world has changed tremendously since COVID. We all know that. Everything we take for it takes forever to take a train in town now. It didn't take that long before. <laughs> An hour. Yeah. But but the point that I'm trying to make though is that we have all accepted that and we've all found a way to work around that. And we have to do that with our contracts too. And parental leave two weeks. They're not asking for much. They're asking for two weeks paid parental leave. And other communities are giving, like we read, this, the comparisons are, are are huge in comparison. Right. So on Thursday, March 16th, mm-hmm. the Quincy Education Association put out a, a press release. Quincy educators vote 98% no confidence in Quincy Mayor Thomas Koch. Mm-hmm. And this also hit the hit the globe. The Quincy Education Association on Thursday overwhelmingly approved a vote of no confidence in Mayor Thomas Koch, the culmination of months of growing frustration over stalled contract talks. Educators in the district have been working without a contract for over 190 days. The union said in a statement that 98% of its 900 members supported the no confidence vote. The union is asking for salary increases for educators, increased preparation time given to teachers, and for the district to cover two weeks of parental leave. We have been trying to make the public aware that we see needs in our schools that might not be made apparent by the district, the city, and the mayor, said Gail Cavello, president of the Quincy Education Association. Our sole goal is to settle this contract in a fair and equitable manner and to provide the best public education for nearly 10,000 students in Quincy. Cavello added that Coke has the power to settle the contract because he controls the finances in the city. And the union feels he is the one stalling progress. Mm-hmm. The Globe also interviewed Mayor Koch. Koch said he found the vote peculiar since both sides agreed to go to mediation, which started on Thursday. I've been in this business a while and I understand there has to be movement, but I also have the responsibilities to taxpayers of Quincy. The whole idea is negotiating good faith at the table and to try to bang it out. And I hope we can do that. Well, he's concerned about the taxpayers of the city of Quincy now. No. I mean, we don't, we're not too concerned about we're overspending or not charging people the right amount or the we're fact that... Picking up some property. Picking up properties. I can, go, I can go through the list of all the things that are hurting the taxpayers far more than a negotiation for a teacher's union. But but what I will say, Kevin, is that to be fair about things and you know, to, to bring in a mediator, you know, that's what he was saying was being fair. That letter that went out was not fair. It was one-sided. And, you know, you start, this is an administration... Yeah, process. isn't that there? I mean, that. They're saying they release, they're relaxing the rules. So mm-hmm. both sides can talk. Mm-hmm. Both sides can talk, yeah. I mean, and they're the ones who they're the ones who relax the rules so both sides can talk. So yeah. then then talk. Tell us yeah. what tell us what you're doing so great that we should so really get behind you. The Quincy Teachers Union responded. Yeah. So so the fact of the matter is it's the teachers union is responding because they're feeling like from my understanding of what they said, they went in with a they went in with a contract, another package for them to review, and the city side said no, thank you, and they went into the situation. So, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. There's a, they're they're now in mitigation. They did have their first their, their first session on Thursday, so that's that's the good news is it has started. But but I also want to mention too that they're not the only union that that's had to go into mediation. The bus monitors, the bus drivers, and the security, which are all underneath the Teamsters Union, are also in mediation. Because they couldn't close, they couldn't close the contract with this administration. Right. So the, it's it's a sad statement when we're in the situation, but but those those unions too are 
highly affected because of the issues with what happened with COVID and the ability to be able to get people to come and work here in the city of Quincy because they're underpaid. And the other thing that I just want to mention too, I believe the mayor also said that the paraprofessionals are completely underpaid after he negotiated a contract with them, the mayor and the school committee negotiate. He can open that up with a memorandum of understanding if he wants to increase their salary anytime. He should probably do that soon because he just basically said how underpaid they are. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to end this part on this quote from a parent. Alex Beath, this is from The Sun, said the city was at risk of losing its best teachers to other communities if the school board does not do more for them. Quincy teachers know our kids, they know our community, they understand our city's unique needs. Whatever bargain you think you can strike by withholding money or benefits from them, we will pay for it tenfold as a community through an exodus of talent, he said. There is no upside to coercing our most valuable community resource into accepting less than they deserve. There are only downsides, and not one person on this governing body will suffer those effects because not one of you has a child in the Quincy Public Schools. They have grandchildren, though. Yes. But, yeah. but the majority of them don't. Yeah. I mean, they're all nice people, but there should be at least one parent on there, I think. But yeah. that's my opinion. <laughs> so you know what time it is, Anne. I do. It's listener's meal. So, like I said, we have a lot. Um, I'm going to read three. This is from Rebecca, who's a teacher. When starting my search to become a teacher, I put forth my energy of finding my first job in Quincy, citing benefits such as health care, salaries, step increases, in addition to overall positive work and community environment. I knew Quincy would be a great fit. Fast forward nine years later, I am grateful for the opportunity I have had as a teacher here in Quincy. However, I believe if we were presented with the option to become a teacher here again, I would think twice about what would work best for my family. Since returning from my leave, my child has had over 11 sick visits to his pediatrician for chronic ear infections and respiratory viruses. Due to my lack of sick days, I schedule doctor's appointments revolving around my work schedule to ensure can I can be at school. This requires the help of family and friends to watch my son when he cannot attend daycare, a luxury that many of my colleagues do not have. My hesitation to use sick days also comes from its impact on the future of my family. I am a young mom of one child and God willing, would like to have more children. My ability to complete my family should not be calculated from sick days I have left and the financial impact it will have on my family as a result from the district's outdated maternity and paternity policy. During COVID, over 800 daycares closed in Massachusetts. With the increase in demand of daycare in conjunction with a baby boom, childcare centers across the state have been able to raise prices, especially during times of inflation. My family has seen this firsthand as well as many of my colleagues. Young families working as teachers for the city of Quincy are desperate to provide for their families. Childcare being a huge part of this equation. I ask for members of the Quincy School Committee to finally show consideration and empathy for their employees' families. We spend our careers caring about our community's families and it's time ours deserve the same respect. And that's from Rebecca. Yeah, so that, that is, that, that's, that's a clear kind of thing, Cameron, where it's, you have a child and you have a baby and the baby gets sick and you've used all your time 
to be able to be home and bonding with that child because there's no there's no parental leave right. and you know the, the thing is is that it's a hardship on that family after that and she's and she did say she was very lucky because she has the support what if you were a family that moved here you relocated here and you, you got your job here and you have no family that can help you it is a def- definitely difficult situation that we're putting families in it was the same thing when you schedule those sick days and, you, and you're and you're like, you know what, I'm going to, we're hoping that we're going to be able to have a baby on February vacation. And I think one of the people I was talking to that and didn't work out that way because the baby just, you know, had other plans. Or, or a child's sick and, you know, yeah. it's sort of one day or two days. And, oh, it's just a bug. It's a week. Or... Yeah. These are not things that, that any family wants to have to go through. It's just a reality of life. And, you know, being able to have a supportive, you know, when you, wherever you work, to be able to have that support and know that you're valued because, you know, you're not being judged because you took a couple of days off because you had a sick, a sick member that you had to take care of. Right. Okay. So this next one is uh, from another teacher. This is from Paulette. I am a veteran educator of Quincy Public Schools. My roots are on the North Shore, but I've driven across the Zakem Bridge for almost 20 years to work with kids in Quincy. My children went to Campus Kinderhouse behind Central Middle School and still excitedly attend Rally Day at QHS. My zip code may be 02155, but at this point in my life, I'm equally 02169. My blood bleeds President's Blue. When I started, I had students continually expressing to me that I was the first Black teacher they ever had. I was surprised but not overly shocked because when I looked around me, none of my colleagues looked like me either. Part of my resolve to make a career in Quincy was based in what I found to be a moral and cultural obligation to make sure there were always a strong black voice in the building while advocating for more. More diverse voices have been added, but many more are still needed. Within the last few years, there has been an aggressive push to hire educators of color across districts. QPS has recently joined educator diversity partnerships to attract and retain educators of color. But how do you attract and retain with a non-competitive contract? Why would a young educator starting their life and family come if parental leave is lagging? Why stay if longevity pay is half what it is offered in the district less than 15 minutes away? My heart says these contract negotiations aren't just about me. They're also about who is new, trying to hold on, and those coming behind me to carry the torch. What we are asking for isn't unreasonable. I hope the mayor and the school committee can come together with us to ensure we are providing the best we can to alleviate, appreciate, and appropriately educate the underrepresented voices in Quincy. In solidarity with 02169, Paulette. So Paulette strikes a, a, a really an important chord of what we're talking about, too. If we really want to attain and retain the best educators that we can in the, in the city of Quincy, they're not all going to come from Quincy, but a majority of them might. But then we have to actually make sure that we have equity across the and diversity across our, our educational pool and making sure that we're being able to bring them in. And they are looking at other places. You know, when you come to Quincy and you, and you might ask that, maybe the first question you ask, do you have, do you have paternity leave? Because you might be a young teacher who's coming and you find out you don't. You know, Milton does. I might go to Milton. I might go to Canton. It's not that far. Yep. Okay, and this last one is from Maria. Dear and Kevin, I'm writing to you today in hopes that sharing my personal message with you will communicate what so many of us in the teaching profession feel about our chosen vocation. Although it may sound sappy, being a teacher is something that I had aspired to since I was a child. Growing up in a home with a mother who always chose the profession of teaching and working with children was just a natural occurrence. I knew that reaching my goal would require hard work, 
but the hard work didn't deter me. It only made me that much more driven and passionate about the profession. That drive has continued to strengthen as I've moved through my career, which is now in its 18th year. The drive is also what kept me motivated as the pandemic settled in to develop, navigate, and manipulate methods that would assist my first grade remote learners to feel like engaged and active learners. It wasn't easy by any means. In fact, I often told people that I believe that year I worked harder than any other year of my career. The endless hours spent on preparing lessons through through means which I had only recently discovered are still fresh in my mind. What got me through was the bright, cheery smiles of my students as I first logged on in the morning. As we moved back into what we were hoping would be a more normal school year, the challenges emerged. Challenges that we knew would present as gaps became wider as an effect of missed opportunities. The following year, I returned to my role as a reading specialist and continued the hard work I knew I signed up for the beginning of my career. I was determined to close these gaps. In addition, the pandemic created major impacts in other areas throughout the world of education. I witnessed the social and emotional effects on students, as well as the trauma and anxiety that have become even more prevalent. These challenges stretch way beyond the classroom. We are still picking up the pieces. Fast forward to now, as we, the educators of our future, are in the midst of negotiations for a fair and equitable contract, we are simply looking to feel valued and respected by the school administration and leaders of our wonderful city. Thank you for your time, Maria. So Maria hits upon all of those things that happened with COVID, right? So you were sent home, but you were still kids still needed to be educated. They had to they had to switch in a dime and change everything to being online and coming back and finding out the gaps were bigger than they thought. Right. It's it's a hard profession. I really do think it's a hard profession. And you know, the expectations are still high for what you're what you're able to deliver in the classroom for your students. And you know, you're working really hard for your for your community and your families. It's a hard job. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you just want to be respected from the people who you work for, that you're being paid fairly, that your benefits are are within tune with everybody else that's around you for your communities. Then, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not negotiating this, Kevin, but the city is, the school committee is. And, you know, we have to take, we, we have to take a look at these things because it's people who are going to make our community stronger. Right. It's the people who work for us that make our community stronger. And all the other things, they're icing on the top. Like if you have a new building or a new park or a new anything else, those are all great things too, but it's the people who work here. Right. And I think the union also made the point that Quincy is getting 10, more, 10 million more dollars, mm-hmm. right? But that money doesn't go right into schools. No, we have to pay a certain amount up into your foundation for education. But once you pass that, you don't have to put it into the schools. We're really close, but they won't have to put out $10 million into the schools. They never do. So anytime we get extra money from the state, or federal money, it doesn't really flow in. So if your budget is, I'm just gonna make up a number, if the budget's $100 million and you get an extra 10, and you're like, oh, the schools have an extra $110 million. It's not necessarily, it comes into the general budget. And like everything, it you know gets absorbed in other places. So long as the budget's staying at $100, $100 million and they're able to satisfy the salaries of the teachers, that's where it's going. Right, and I think part of this no confidence vote is, you know, you look around and see what the mayor's spending it on, of course, and mm-hmm. we've touched on this. And uh, it seems to be places, not people. Yeah, it's it's places, it's statues, it's yeah. bridges, it's everything but it, the people who work here. Right. And and oftentimes it's like, well, I'm not going to give you more than I give somebody else. What, whatever union that is that they're discussing, because it has. This isn't the first time they've gone into mediation. I think they did it with the police a couple of years ago. But the point is that 
you know, these are the people who work here. They, they work really hard in our community for our community. And we have to be fair and equitable to how we're being able to associate how we're doing those contracts with them. You know, parental leave, it shouldn't, this should be something in a union that's predominantly female. We should be at least doing the same as what other unions do. Right. Them. And I know you, when you were a school community member, mm-hmm. you had a slogan, good schools attract good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're not attracting the best candidates for teaching, then that's going to jeopardize our future, absolutely. the whole city's future. Well, absolutely, because, you know, no different than the teachers wanting to come teach here, people will want to come live here because we have good schools. Right. And that impact, just like COVID, it has a, it has a slow slide. So if you're not going to pay your teachers or value your teachers and you're going to fight with your teachers and not give them good contracts, that slow slide is that the good teachers are going to leave and then you're going to have to bring in new teachers and those new teachers aren't going to come because you don't have the you don't have the value system that you had before. Right. So it's an important thing to, to take note of. Right. So that does it for uh, listener mail. And I know those are all Quincy educators. And if, if you have a different opinion right? yeah. yep. and, and you want to send us a letter, we'll read it. Yeah. Um, we want to hear from you. We will right? identify you. We won't identify you by your name, but we'll say if, you, if you're an administration person, we'll say Joe from the administration or Joe used to work for the administration, mm-hmm. just like we identified them as teachers. Yeah. And we have several other teachers that have written in too that we haven't had a chance to be able to read because there's so many that have come in. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we're willing to be to look at both sides of this. And and it's important that we know that we're um to work with the people who work in the city of Quincy. Yes. They are valued. Send us a letter. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I think that does it for this week on City Limits. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody. Thanks, everybody.